In this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin welcome lead NBA writer and managing editor for NBC Sports, Kurt Heelan. We discuss the latest concerning the ongoing issues with John Morant. We also get Kurt's insight into which teams to watch towards the home stretch of the season and who's in line to win MVP. You don't want to miss this chat as we discuss the ongoing saga of John Morant from all angles and we break down the latest storylines you should watch towards the end of the NBA season. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our content. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast and now... Kurt Heelan. He is the lead NBA writer and managing editor for NBC Sports. We welcome Kurt Heelan onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Kurt? It's going good. How's it going, guys? We're doing really well. Thanks for joining the show. And I think let's start out with some, I, I would say, bad news. I think we're Matt and I are huge basketball fans, huge fans of John Moran. And we've been kind of following the story with him ever since the whole uh, Pacers incident and just tracking it to where we are now to where um, I, I would say he's indefinitely suspended just due to um, what he did on IG Live or brandishing a, a weapon um, on that social media platform at a strip club. And now we have the NBA investigating that. What are your overall thoughts about this whole entire situation from this elite perspective, because I remember just texting Matt, just seeing the, the Indiana Pacers incident, and there was really no reaction on, little, very little reaction on social media and through mainstream yeah. media until so we're, we're out now. So what is, what is kind of your overall thoughts to this whole um, situation with John Moran? Yeah, first off, I'm with you guys. I think everybody's with you guys and being fans of him. It's hard not to be a fan of him. He's, he's yeah. the most, fr- frankly, I've been saying for a while now, he's the one guy who makes me stop on League Pass and just watch for a while. Mm-hmm. He is so dynamic, so entertaining as a player, so athletic, so you know, look, once again, you end up like a Tex Avery cartoon where your jaw just drops to the ground. You're like, holy cow, you can do that. Um, and that said, um, it's interesting. He hasn't officially been suspended yet. He's away from the team, which look, I, I was at the uh, Pistons Clippers game for a while last night and tried to get this out of them. And the impression I get is he's away from the team, meaning he's not suspended, meaning his pay doesn't stop yet. So it'll be interesting to see how the league handles that. If they suspend him, obviously that would be without pay and they're investigating. So we'll see where it goes. It's been kind of surprising how fast this took off, partially because the video goes viral. Right. Um, and, and we're kind of a, it's, there wasn't really video of the Pacers incident. Anything with video, it's it's like Draymond punching pool, right? Oh, that's a bad yeah. thing. That's not good. Oh, wow. We saw the video and everybody's suddenly, it's just different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other part of this, though, internally for them was this was a situation that had been building, right? Like there has there was the incident over the summer that he's being sued with, uh, with the pickup game and the 17-year-old, the incident at the mall, the Pacer, like – there'd been this and there'd been internal conversations, but not just internal conversations, like the Grizzlies talking to each other. There had been conversations with jaw about this, but the conversations and the, the mentoring that they were kind of trying to do didn't, didn't work. So they already were kind of thinking we got to come in. And then I think with the video and the way that took off on, on a Saturday morning, uh, really messing up my ability to just sit there and watch the premier league. Uh, um, It, when it took off like that, I don't think they had a choice, but to step in. And I still think 
look, I think two games was nice, but I think it's going to be fair to say, even Tyler Taylor Jenkins was saying this, hinting at this last night, it's going to be more than two. And it could be, it could be a considerable amount of time. I just, they've got what 17 games left. Like that's, that's what they've got to get him back and get a little bit of focus before the playoffs. Cause this was, you're with me guys, right? This was supposed to be a deep run for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. 1,000%. Kurt, are you surprised that there hasn't been more, I guess, forceful and outright action taken by the NBA front office in this case? I mean, of course we know investigations are ongoing. Yeah. There's a lot that we don't know, but are you surprised? Um, I mean, a lot of people have been making the David Stern comparison with the <laughs> Gilbert Arenas situation. I mean, two very different situations in some respects, but does it surprise you that it's it sort of felt like it was handed over to the Grizzlies to take care of initially, and then we're waiting kind of to see if if that bigger hammer drops, as, as you mentioned? I, I think two things here. I think you're right. First off, the situation's different. If this happened in an NBA locker room, uh, it would be different. I think the other difference is just you mentioned the the, the names. David Stern is um, a little more emotional, a little bit mm. of a dictator's a strong word, but maybe not wholly I, inappropriate style of management, right? He's an old school, my word is law type of manager. Yeah. Um, who would come down hard in these kind of situations. And he also was dealing with a different perception. I mean, right now in the eighties, there was seventies and eighties and eighties in particular, there was fears about you know, the rampant drug use among players and blah, and all that. And yeah, you're, different you're, perception. Yeah. Right. You're, you're it's very different perception as opposed to the stars now who are like Steph Curry is as squeaky clean as it gets. Giannis is pretty much as squeaky clean mm-hmm. as it gets little rougher edges maybe around LeBron, but not like he's never been arrested. He married his guy's whole sweetheart. He's a good dad. He built a school. Like um, the other part of it is just silver is not only a consensus builder as a person, but he's a lawyer by, by both training and just personality and thought like he gets his ducks in a row before he moves. He doesn't make rash decisions. So this is, I think, I think this is more a model of that. This is more, he's going to try to coerce what he wants behind the scenes and get everything in a row before the league has to step in. Um, what do you make it, the situation from a Grizzlies perspective? I remember seeing something from Tracy McGrady. He didn't really allude to specifically what was going on in Memphis, but he said something wrong is going on there. And I'm yeah. paraphrasing here, but it seemed like the warning signs were definitely happened for a while, and yet we're in a situation still. So is there a lot of responsibility on the Memphis Grizzly organization from, we, from even when they drafted John Moran? Because I think his talent was fairly apparent. Um, at this point, do you think the Grizzlies can't be trusted to really mentor John, just not even from the basketball court, but just his life in general at this point? My dog, Ronnie, is very concerned about this. He's he barking as a poodle. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that, I think there was some treading lightly there, right? This is still your star player. This is your 23-year-old star player who, man, welcome to America. The stars get leeway 
And and I, it's funny because people True. are always like, yeah, in sports, this happens. I'm like, no, man. If you work at the local Toyota dealership and you sell more cars than anybody else on the lot, guess what, man? <laughs> you get yep. more leeway. than There's lines you can't cross, but um, in this case, I, I think that they are, but I think internally, just again, talking to people there yesterday, and, and Taylor Jenkins was pretty upfront about this. They see it as a learning opportunity. They see this as a chance to kind of right the ship. Um, uh, reporting came out today. I think Shams had it that that uh, uh, they'd had a team meeting, and and um, Stephen had stood up in front and said, and he's traveling with them. He should be back on this. You know, they, by the way, their slump started. You notice that when he went out, like it is not a coincidence that when the guy who did all the dirty work, who set the picks, who got the rebounds, who was kind of the enforcer out there, was gone, suddenly they slumped a little. Um, but he stood up in the meeting. He's like, man, we have to be more disciplined. And he is, by the way, if you haven't met him outside of like just a massive human being, um, a, a disciplined guy, like he is not frivolous in a, he's got a great sense of humor, but he's not, he, he does things with intent. Um, and I, I think he was trying to get through to them. I think that they see this as the chance to course correct that way. And so they're trying to do it. I, I think that that's how they're seeing it internally. If we get everybody back on the same page and, and they're pulling the rope in the same direction to use a spolster phrase or, or whatever you, however you want to define that, um, then suddenly, yeah, I, I think that that's what they're seeing here. So I don't think they're going to, I don't think they want to be the disciplinarian in this. In fact, they would probably prefer for the league to be the disciplinarian in this um, just because then they don't have to be the bad guy. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to create any um, sort of sense of bad will or, or anything like that. Um, especially with your, your star player. Do he you sells, see sells a lot of tickets, sells a lot of jerseys, man. It matters, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you see the Grizzlies? I mean, they, they've been so, um, measured and and methodical about building this team building like this this culture that they have that that has been great you know um you know barring the past two months or so when these things started piling up um do you see them having like an off season where they do try to make a move to signal to the rest of the league or, or the front office like bringing in a couple of veterans as as people have been talking about yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily related to this per se, right? Mm. Like it's more like on the court, where are we short? We we have built this team to a certain point where I think, first off, I mean, is Jaws great, but you could use more play shot creation. I I, I say that saying the flip side of that is Desmond Bain's just good. Like Desmond Bain's right. really good. Yeah. And I don't don't we all sleep on him a little bit as a quality number two? So like true. But in today's NBA, you cannot have enough shot creation. And I think that they are going to go out. They have a, a Jaws five. The other part of this Jaws five year kicks uh, extension kicks in next year. Everybody else is going to be following on the heels of that. They've, if they're going to bring guys in, it's kind of now, right? If, if uh, their owner wants to, they're never going to pay the tax in a Steve Ballmer kind of pay the tax way. But if they're going to be a, will pay the tax because this team contends kind of way their move is now next off season, go get 
a couple of pieces to fit into this who are veterans and let's make a run at this. So I, I think they were going to do that anyway. Now they may look at this and be especially thoughtful about trying to find the right character guys, the right fit guys. Cause you need somebody who you need a guy who can fit into that locker room now and come in and keep, um, I don't say keep everything in line, but a couple of strong veteran voices who were like, Hey, let's not lose focus on this. Like Steven Adams was trying to do um, is helpful. And then that's where, Hey man, how long did, how long did Jared Dudley get to play in the league? Just being that guy. Like there's, there's room for those guys in the league, man. Absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears and focus on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, they're with new teams. They recently faced each other. Really great game. Yeah. What do you make of their situations in terms of how they're fitting in with their teammates and how they make their teams, you know, increases their chances for winning the title and deep playoff runs? Um, do you see, from that matchup that we saw with the Suns and Mavericks, um, were, did any warning signs, anything concern you that stood out in terms of how Durant or Kyrie Irving are fitting in with their respective teams? Um, first off, am, am I crazy? And you guys watched the game. Durant's just a smoother fit, right? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's partially that Durant is like the most – plug and play superstar maybe we've ever seen, right? Like LeBron doesn't need the ball. I mean, LeBron needs the ball more than him. Curry, you have to be kind of, it, Steve Curry even talked about this yesterday. I, I stayed for both games. I spent a lot of time at the crypt last yesterday. Um, <laughs> but Steve Curry was talking about like, you have to be a, you know, it's different playing with Steph Curry. You either have to be a special kind of player or adapt to playing with Steph Curry. You could plug and play Kevin Durant on 29 other teams or with the three of us playing pickup at the Y and he's just going to, all right, let's do this, man. Let's just go. I can work on ball. I can work on. Uh, Kyrie's not really that way. I think also there's a clear connection with Devin Booker. Like their synergy looks really good so far. Um, and I'm curious what you guys think. My, my reaction is so far so good. It's been, I think three games now, right? Um, so far so good. I've got questions about them under real pressure down the line um, defensively uh, and depth-wise. I mean, they've got the core four in theory. Chris Paul's showing some age. Um, mm -hmm. um, Other time wins every race, despite even with LeBron, despite how many commercials Agreed. he makes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I'm curious what that looks like, but I think, you know, and I think this is true in both the case of there and Dallas, the hard part's getting the stars. This is it's all, there's how many, how many guys are there like that in the league? I mean, they're 15 tops. Like you get the guy and then you figure out everything else. And so I think it's a little more seamless and in a West where I'm not scared of anybody. Um, I, I think, I think Phoenix, Denver, conference finals is oh i don't it depends on where it depends on how the seating shake out but I, I think those are the two teams two best teams right now the two teams i would fear the most um yeah although if i'm boston or milwaukee or frankly even philadelphia i'm not sure i fear any of them um dallas i okay you want my secret wish i and i don't mathematically i just don't think it's going to work I really want a Dallas. I want Dallas Sacramento in the first round. I want one mm -hmm. 
51, first round, nobody plays any defense. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so much fun. But I I don't know if it's going to work out that way. Dallas doesn't – they've got a lot of work to do to put people around that group and and get Kyrie to come back, right, and get him to – to be the long-term, you know, I think he will just for financial reasons. I don't think it's, I was talking with a cap guy and we're like, well, yeah, but if he's not happy, they can sign and trade him. And you're like, you sign and trade him, you hard cap yourself. Hmm. And so like just the logistics of the salary cap make all of that complex for, Hey, send him to the Lakers. Well, the Lakers would be over the hard cap and then shedding guys to try like, it'd be a weird situation. So, um, I think he signs there, and if it really doesn't work out, then we can talk about more Kyrie trades next February, uh, next summer, you know, the summer. But I, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think that they've got a lot more work to do to put. They need a lot of what everybody needs, right? I need some wing perimeter players who can defend and a rim-protecting big. And, and they've got a little of that. I think Kleber can fit in. I think they've got guys who can fit with that, but they – they need a lot more and they need a lot more rangy defending wings. And those are, as you guys know, those guys are a premium right now. <laughs> it's That's a good cool. time. It's like being a left-handed pitcher, man. It's a good time to be a rangy wing in the NBA. Right. Yeah. You know, Kurt, it's, it's funny looking back at last off season and what transpired over the trade deadline. I mean, you think you'd have to imagine if, the Dallas Mavericks could turn back the hands of time. They would just throw everything at Jalen Brunson to keep him around and, and keep more of those pieces, keep Dorian Finney-Smith yes. around. <laughs> uh, so it's just funny how, how things work out. Brunson, and we're, I don't know where you guys were on this. I was I was in the, well, that's a good pickup for the Knicks. That's a little bit of a high price, but that's a good pickup. And now I'm like, worth every penny, man. That's it. I agree. <laughs> like, he has been so yeah, good. Yeah, I I kind of was of the opinion, great for Brunson. Um, not sure how yeah. this will pan out for the Knicks. Like like more usage rate for him, that'll be good for him either way. Um, yeah. you know, hopefully so. But yeah, uh, I I want to ask your perspective on on another thing. Um, a team that is not competitive at all, but is actually my favorite team, the Houston Rockets. We hear all these grumblings, rumors, what have you about James Harden. And I I was just wondering if you can elaborate on James Harden's interest in going from this contender team in Philadelphia, at least potential contender. And what is the interest? What is the pull to go back to Houston? And what is the interest in Houston transversely in bringing in Harden who hasn't really I would argue hasn't really proven himself. Certainly he's a world-class talent, but hasn't proven himself to be a mentor type of figure. No. And, and um, not on the upslope of his career at this point with, with all due respect to how good James Harden is. Um, It's personal in James's case. This is, uh, as you know, he is, are you, do you live in Houston or are you just a, I have family in Houston. I'm watching from afar from New Mexico. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. And and I'm sorry, by the way, that you're a Rockets fan. They, or at least right now, they, um, it's, it, he has got deep ties to the city. He's, you know, his restaurants there, but beyond his restaurant, he's got family there. It's a, I, I had a conversation with somebody about this all-star weekend out there and they're like, it, first off, 
there's not just smoke. There's a little fire. That doesn't mean it's going to, he's going to jump. I'm just saying the conversations are real. Um, he's got personal pull there. Um, he also associates that with the best time of his career when he was, he was at his peak. I mean, he was mm. Houston. James Harden was changing the game and, and an unstoppable force. And they ran a completely hardened centric offense for him. So uh, he has these very positive. So he's got the family draw. He has this positive experience. He has a great relationship with uh, someone for Tita, the owner. So there's this kind of draw to go back there. And I don't know. I, I mean, this is a, I, I don't, this is going to sound worse than I want it to sound. Cause I don't think it's true on like, the most basic you if you put this in a tweet it would sound way worse type of level but is winning the most important thing to him it, versus mm. the lifestyle and the situation he wants like and, mm. and we all look everybody man i didn't get into journalism for the money <laughs> i could make a lot more money doing virtually anything else um <laughs> you know um it, it we all make decisions and harden might be at the point where the other things matter more than contending. And and I think that part of that is, how does this go, right? No, that's totally true. And I've had that feeling too, because it, in Philadelphia, it seems like they're at a point to really break through within yeah. the Eastern Conference and particularly them snapping the Bucks that long winning streak and then becoming a contender. But it, it seems like for James Harden, it's a lot more than just, you know, winning the title. It's about his overall happiness. Yeah. So that's that juxtaposition of him, you know, wanting to win compared to his overall happiness. I think it's interesting to see how it plays out. I, I, I think Philly in the playoffs, how deep they go is going to be part of this. It's going to be fascinating, by the way. I think, I think, that you know they just snap the like you said they snap the bucks win streak yeah i think they match up pretty well with the bucks like that is a player for player matchup that's that's better for them than boston and as it would stand as we speak with boston the two seed and and scuffle they lost three or four you know in boston they're they're <laughs> they're about ready to throw the tea overboard whatever one does um uh <laughs> They're when he when they back when when if if it's Boston that could be bad trouble. Let's put it this way: if it's Boston, it could be real trouble. That might not be a good matchup. That might be a second round exit just because of the matchups. Um, I think they give a much tougher time. I don't know that they beat Milwaukee because Milwaukee's good. Yeah, <laughs> Milwaukee. Yeah. But I think the matchup is. Uh, just in terms of of not really having a good Tyrese Maxey causes them a lot of problems. They have with Tucker and Embiid some guys who can relatively slow Giannis Antetokounmpo as much as any human being slows Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, like I think that the matchup there is just better than I think what makes Boston the team to, in my mind the team to beat even right now is. They're just the deepest, most versatile roster. They can just play so many ways, big, small. As long as they're healthy, Robert Williams has got a hammy now, which is an you know issue, and they've got to get everybody right. But I just I love their depth and their versatility and their their. Don't you feel that like they're just flexible? They could just. They are. They seem the most deepest, and they seem to match up with every other team pretty solidly within that conference for sure. 
Um, one last question for you. I, I want to ask you about MVP. And I, I live in Denver, so um, I'm chatting like it's pretty closely. <laughs> but I'm a Bulls fan, so it's just I'm not, no way of beginning on the on the bandwagon. But I find it interesting seeing, and I've seen the Joker play in person. He's so incredible, but yeah, I, I don't understand the hate he gets, <laughs> and yeah. just the criticism he gets is just really profound to me because. He, he you know he's on one of the best teams in the league he has phenomenal yeah. stats he's clearly their best player but yeah he's getting this this weird criticism in terms of if he wins the mvp three times in a row like he needs to do something extra like i don't to me if he is, is he the mvp or not like i think it's pretty yeah. i mean there might be other players that might be people might think are better but his stats are certainly definitive of him being worthy of that award do you think he's the favorite or um do you think there's actual criticisms levied against him that you might favor a Giannis or maybe um a Jason Tatum or you know somebody else you know in front of the MVP race yeah I know you're a Bulls fan but I, I don't think Fusevich makes the cut I'm sorry 1000 percent um I think he's the I think he's the front runner um I was, I'll be honest with you, but I, uh, the, the poll that uh, came out right around the all-star game from ESPN, I was surprised the gap, uh, in that, um, yeah. just, I don't think he's, I don't think he's running away with it by that kind of margin at that, that part surprised me. Um, that said, going into the season, I'm like, man, I know it's supposed to be just one season. You're not supposed to think about the playoffs and you're not supposed to think about, Legacy, you know, oh my gosh, it'd be him and Russell and Wilt and Burt, you know, and is that fair? It's just supposed to be about this season. But I was like, I think voters are going to look for a reason not to vote for him. He's going to have to, they're going to have to win a lot of games. Yeah. And he's going to have to put up insane numbers. And if he does that and it forces his way into the conversation, but he's got to do that. Yeah, he's done that just. <laughs> yes. They're clear in a way going to be the one seed, uh, yeah. which is a big advantage for them. It is. Um, uh, but he's clearing away. They are clearing away the one seed. He's was averaging a triple double. I haven't looked today. I know he was kind of on the bubble with a couple numbers, but like in the ballpark of averaging a triple double. Um, I, I'm not. I'm just curious who catches him. I don't. Does. Does Joel Embiid get there? I think he's got to play almost every game the rest of the way. I think that that's been Jokic's advantage the last, I don't know, couple of years when he's come and said, part of it is that he's played 10 more games or whatever the numbers were. Like, it just felt like, and I, I'm a voter, but I tend to go with minutes over games. Um, like, how many minutes did you play? Yeah. Um, that matters a lot more. So we'll see. I, I, I think Embiid's got to be in the mix. Uh, the 16-game winning streak certainly boosted Giannis Antetokounmpo's right. credentials there. And what's weird is, like, I think it's those three up front. Just And this is without me doing any – it's April 1st, and I will be doing a deep dive on all this and trying to figure out who I'm going to vote for and what I'm going to – and I spend – I lose so much sleep. It's just ridiculous <laughs> because – it's not MVP is going to be bad this year. Third team All NBA is brutal every year. Yeah. Uh, some of this stuff where you're just oh, who's the sixth best guard and the seventh best guard? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it, every year. You know, it's those kind of questions that are just brutal. So um, we'll see. But it feels like 
midseason, I would have said Luca, but he's taken a step back and he's still ridiculously good yes. with great numbers. Jason Tatum is the best player on the best team. He's probably going to finish fourth or fifth. Like it's, uh, it's, it is a really stellar deep year for, uh, for MVP candidates this year. It's, it's years that I think a lot of guys could have, you know, I, I think Tatum could have won a lot of years with the numbers he's put up and he's going to finish down ballot. So that's, I, but yes, I think it's, I don't say Jokic is to lose, but I think he's the front runner right now. And if he continues to play the way he's playing and Denver continues to play well and he gets the the one seed, um, I think he's the guy to beat. And and we'll see. I'm with you on the I, I'm with you on the backlash. I I get what people are saying, but as long as it's a regular, I just can't get into the he hasn't won in the postseason. So he can't win in the regular season awards. Yeah. I just I I struggle with that. I get what people are saying, but um, and it may impact me more on something like All NBA. Yeah, but I just can't I can't get there with um, I can't get there with MVP. I'm I'm maybe I'm old school, but I, I just I or maybe that's I just I'm whoever I end up you know going with and and watching and I'll, again watch a lot of film, talk to people. I, I, the, the perks of doing this long enough is now that I know enough people and scouts and front office people that I bounce stuff off of so that, you know, man, I, I'm not, I'm not that smart. So I talk to people who are, um, and we'll see. It's just, but I don't have a problem with the, the three in a row, the five, you know, whatever, whatever this, I, that kind of history isn't going to, isn't going to influence me much in a year where I think he's, if I think he's clearly the best guy, then he gets the vote. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I, I think the rules are clear. It's a regular season award. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if that they're in a regular season, so I a hundred percent agree. Kurt, this has been a fantastic chat. Please let our viewers, listeners know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your work at NBC sports and anything else you're working on as well. Um, well, I, it, I, you can find my work at NBCSports.com. There's an NBA page and uh, plenty of Premier League content and everything. I don't think I need to tell everybody. People out there are probably familiar with NBC Sports. It's kind of there's perks to working for one of the uh, legacies, uh, legacy companies. Um, and you can find me at Basketball Talk on Twitter. That's uh, probably the place I'm most active and uh, the, the place you'll see most of my work and commentary. So, And, and, and occasional frustration with my dogs. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks very much, Kurt. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on.